<laughs> Coming to you live from the Sweet Bee Studios, the greatest show on dirt. I am your host, Quentin. Today is October 26th, five days away from Halloween. And game two of the World Series just finished yesterday. The Astros beat the Dodgers 7-6, to and we're going to talk all about that on today's episode. How is everybody doing? Sorry for the cheesy intro, but Halloween's only five days away, and I'm a Halloween type of person. To me, Halloween is one of the best, if not the best, holidays in all of the land. I love it. I've loved it since I was a kid. It's mostly because of my mom that I love the year, the month of October. I was born in October, and I love Halloween. I really do. From since I was a young tot, four, five, six, my mom let me watch all the scary movies I wanted, Killer Clowns was definitely a yearly movie that we watched and loved. Poltergeist, my mother let me watch Poltergeist. Let's see, if I was born in 83 and the first Poltergeist maybe came out in like 88, that put me at five and I watched it and it terrified me for years. Poltergeist did for sure. But hey, Halloween's here. I've already dressed up and went to a Halloween Christmas party to an 80s cover band, which was phenomenal. I danced my little heart off. I was Goose off Top Gun. I had the, uh, the airman jumpsuit the aviator glasses. I mean, I felt really cool wearing the Top Gun gear. I felt so awesome. I had the choice between Goose and Maverick, but I chose Goose because I'm pretty sure Goose is the guy that plays Great Balls of Fire on the piano during the movie Top Gun, which is my favorite scene of the whole entire movie. And I just like, I felt so good. Like I, I want to wear it basically like everywhere I go. Like to me, the Top Gun airman suit that I have is like to me you know the kid on Big Daddy when he has the glasses on and when he puts them on he just feels confidence because no one can stop him I feel just the exact same way when I put on the Top Gun gear and especially when I put on the aviators and I've got my hair kind of slicked back with a side part like I feel like I'm gonna ride my Harley and I'm gonna ride it to wherever my jet is and I'm gonna take off on the jet and my girl's gonna be on the back and no one can stop me with it on and I'm gonna find a way to wear it multiple times And I know when we do our very first Facebook Live episode, while we're recording, I know I'm going to wear the Top Gun costume. I for sure know I am. Again, thank you everybody for listening. This is The Greatest Show on Dirt, Thursday, October 26th. Last night was a really good Game 2 of the World Series. Game 1, Game 1 let me down. Game 1 was a boring, boring baseball game. It It was the worst World Series game I think I've ever watched. Like, just nothing happened. But... Like, I'm not a Dodgers fan, but if I'm a Dodgers fan, I loved it because Clayton Kershaw shut every single person up, any critic that he has that says he can't pitch in the postseason. Well, I I think he shut them all up because he went out on the biggest stage, okay, the World Series. I get Clayton Kershaw had a really rough outing in 2014, I think, against the St. Louis Cardinals. They bashed him for seven runs in one inning. And then we all know when they ran into the buzzsaw that was Daniel Murphy and the Mets in 2015, uh, Murphy got Granky too, that series for sure. And then, you know, even the Cubs got the Clayton Kershaw last year and got him. But this year on the biggest stage, okay, against, which I explained on my last episode, using the statistic WRC+. Plus, which now I've Google searched it and it's weighted runs created. And per that number, the Houston Astros are one of the best offenses of all time. 
Clayton Kershaw goes out there, seven innings, one run. And the one run he gave up, I'm wanting to say, was an early home run. And that was pretty much it. He was in command and control at the end of the seven innings. He was like at 80-something pitches. But it was a boring game. I didn't love it. I didn't love it. But And then game two started out the exact same way. Verlander comes out throwing heat. I mean, my dude is hotter than four-alarm chili heat out there, right? But Rich Hill, his curveball, I mean, it was moving, right? Dave Roberts pulled him after four innings, which almost got my man Dave Roberts in a bind. Rich Hill was pitching great. I could not believe Dave Roberts pulled him after only four innings and maybe like 60-some-odd pitches. Right, Rich Hill had struck out Jose Altuve twice. Jose Altuve, the best hitter since Tony Gwynn, struck him out twice. I'm pretty sure Rich Hill was on. It pulled him after four innings, you know, and I go back and forth on the move. I mean, I would have let Rich in. He was really mad in the dugout throwing stuff, right? And Rich Hill looks like such a happy guy. And he, he throws that curveball, and he kind of, like, dances off the mound. Like, you got to love him. He was really mad, though. He was mad that Davey pulled him. But he knows his guys more than anyone I mean, if you're Dave Roberts and you have that bullpen, and then, you know, the night before Clayton pitched, so and then your bullpen just had a huge break, knowing that they're fresh, but also knowing that you have a day off tomorrow, use your bullpen because Clayton saved your bullpen in game one, and then they're about to have a break to travel for game three so they can rest their arms and ice their elbows and whatever else they've got to do. So I guess on the uh, you flip that coin and I'm okay. I guess, with them pulling Rich Hill, because what if he goes out the next inning and gives up three, four runs? That, to me, right, because Dave Roberts has a loaded and, at that point, well-rested bullpen. I mean, if he throws Rich Hill out in the fifth inning and Rich Hill gives up three, four runs or whatever and gets in a bind, that's just as bad as when Buck Showalter left Zach Britton in the bullpen in that wildcard game. If you've got, listen, if you're driving a Lamborghini, right, get into the gas a little bit, right? I got a rental car a couple weeks ago, and it was like a V8 Mustang. I ran the crap out of it. Enterprise guy looked at it. I thought I was going to get busted big time. I ran the crap out of that car. But last last night's game lived up to everything, okay? This was a flip-flop game. It was, <laughs> I hate to even admit this. I'm going to lead with this, right? Jason Bateman left last night's game. Jason Bateman, my man, left last night's game in the eighth inning. What's that show he played on? Um, Arrested Development. He left in the eighth inning because he thought the game was over and Kinley was going to save it. But all hell broke loose, so he came back into the stadium. Well, just like Jason Bateman, I went to sleep. I took two Zequel at 845. I wanted to get my beauty rest because I knew today I was going to have to work hard Work hard on the greatest show on dirt. If you're going to be the best baseball podcast, you've got to sleep and you got to have a well balanced breakfast. So I slept good, woke up and had cocoa pebbles. I felt great. Cocoa pebbles with whole milk at that, right? So I had my vitamin D and my protein and my essential fats, and I was ready to go. Slept good. But when I woke up, I saw that the game ended and it was seven to six Houston in 11 innings, and I was shocked because Houston, up until last night's eighth inning, had scored. Two runs in 16 innings. And that plus that offense was stifled all through the ALCS when they were on the road. And this right now is the first road victory for the Houston Astros. But it's also the first home loss for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Last night's game, more home runs were hit in last night's playoff game than any other playoff game that ever happened. And on top of that, those five extra inning home runs, it's never been done in any baseball game ever. They've been playing baseball. 
since you had the green acres that climb up a telephone pole to make a phone call. That's that's what's been happening. Huge game, huge game. Brandon Morrow, leadoff double to Alex Bregman. Okay, Alex Bregman, he's an LSU slugger, right? Great third baseman. He can put the bat to the ball, my man. So you bring in Kenley Jansen, right? There, there's nothing in life that's as automatic as I think what Kenley Jansen is, right? If I flip the light switch on in the world-renowned Sweet Bee Studios, the light's going to come on. And if Kenley Jansen is six feet six inches from you at the plate, he's striking you out because he's got a devastating cutter. His cutter will cut you down like Michael Myers, right? Near Jamie Lee Curtis, he's going to cut you down with the machete. That's what's going to happen. Kenley Jansen's Michael Myers, and whoever's at home plate, that's Jamie Lee Curtis. You're done. He's going to get you. He always comes back. But Carlos Correa snuck one up the middle, a chopper two-hopper, and then O'Bragman gets from third and scores. That's a one-run game. But then Kenley gets out of the inning, and then he's coming into the ninth. You've got Marwin Gonzalez. Okay. he's He's been slumping in the playoffs, but he's a great bat during the season. This is what's, I think, the most unbelievable thing. He throws him a hard cutter like Kinley does. This was the third pitch of the at-bat, and it was an 0-2 count. Kinley said post-game that the cutter just flattened out on him. It didn't move. It was supposed to go high and in, and it just hung over the middle of the plate. Marwin sent it to center, and that was a tie game. The crowd stunned. and I mean, I was stunned even reading the box score. But then as kind of the game unfolded, it was like... Houston gets the lead, Dodgers tie it. Houston gets the lead, Dodgers tie it. And the last time Houston got the lead was on a Carlos Correa two-run bomb that Charlie Culberson hit a two-out home run in the bottom of the 11th. But the Dodgers couldn't, just couldn't close it out. So the series is tied 1-1. And it goes to Houston for the next three games. You are listening to The Greatest Show on Dirt. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in. We will take a short break. We'll be right back. The greatest show on dirt. We are back. I love how last night, when any player hits a home run, they show the opposing manager, and it's the saddest thing ever. Poor Dave Roberts' face. It looks like just like someone's like kicked a kitten or something. So like Correa and Altuve and Springer and Marwin hit these bombs, and then they zoom in on poor Dave Roberts' face, and he just looks so sad. Like I just want Yasiel Puig to walk up to him and like give him a hug and a kiss and. Tell him everything's going to be all right, and then go out and hit a home run, which he did. And then when Puig gets his home run, they zoom in on A.J. Hinch, and he looks so uncomfortable. Like, he's getting ready to, like, public speak, but he doesn't really like public speaking. And it's just, God, I just, it's my favorite part of a baseball game. They just zoom in on the managers, and they're just, like, so sad. It's awful, awful, awful. <sighs> Series goes to Houston. We're going to shift to Minute Maid Park starting tomorrow. Right now it's Thursday. So Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, you're going to get three games at Houston in the series. I At the end of game one, it seemed that the Los Angeles Dodgers were going to do to the Astros exactly what they did to the Chicago Cubs. Now, the Cubs had way more of a suspect offense coming into the series, the NLCS, having just skated by the Washington Nationals and really just having a suspect offense all season. This team's Sometimes they can be suspect, and it's been so the past three years. So when you watch game one, you're like, oh, man, this really 
they're going to do it, you know, and it's kind of whatever, you know, Dodgers, when I finished game one, I said LA, 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 but you kind of almost have to remember that Clayton Kershaw can't pitch every one of these games because now his playoff woes are over and he's he's a stud. He's going to go out there and give you a seven. He'll go out there and give you a nine if he needs to. And one big, big deal for the Los Angeles Dodgers is the return of Corey Seager. Initially, I thought they shouldn't have brought Seager back until Game 3 because maybe I thought he could be a DH or something, and if not, he would just get a couple more games of rest because he would be more important away than he would be at home. But as it turns out, Seager didn't skip a step. Hit a two-run homer off a 97-mile-per-hour Justin Verlander fastball. He was probably two for four last night. Seemed to field well. He seems to be moving well. The shot of him after he hit the home run, he's got the bat just like sticking out. He's got his hips forward, and he's just like yelling like he's Goku, and he's about to go Super Saiyan. Shot of the night. Shot of the night, I think. That or Puig. When Puig hit his home run, he just set the bat on the ground. Just like, I'll just leave this here, and I'm going to go trot the bases. It was amazing. It was amazing. But the look ahead to the next three games, you know, each team's two best starters. They've already thrown, so you're getting to the middle of this pack. So game three is going to put you against Lance McCullers Jr. He's as one of the better curveballs in all of baseball, and it goes faster than anyone else's. It's an intriguing matchup, though, because the Astros are going to run into Yu Darvish, who has been in their division for, like, what, the last three or four years. But Yu's not a slouch at Minute Maid Park in six starts. He's 4-1 and one with a .73 whip and, like, a 2.13 earned run average. So, I mean, he brings it in Houston. You know, he really does. But last season... The Houston Astros were dominated by the Texas Rangers, so this isn't... I mean, this is a different team than probably what Hughes faced the whole time he had ever been with Texas, but, I mean, the proof's in the pudding. He's, he, he likes to pitch at Minute Maid Park, and we can see it. My two things to look at here, okay? We're dealing with a couple teams that, especially in the Houston Astros, that have always played well at home and not so well on the road. The Dodgers are much harder to predict because, one, the Dodgers played a really weak Cubs team. And I'm a Cubs fan, so if you're a Cubs fan listening to this, don't get mad at me. Offensively, the Cubs were weak. It is what it is. Then before that, they just played a Diamondbacks team that they were clearly better than. I almost feel like at this point, the Houston Astros are their best test. And, you know, L.A. skated through the National League. Easy. You know, they were basically... Tanya Harding, they got on their roller skates or their ice skates and just bashed everyone's knees and just kind of went to town. And now they're in the World Series and they got there pretty easy. Big, the one big question is right now is how the Dodgers going to fare on the road and what can the Astros do to the Dodgers at their home ballpark, especially against Hugh Darvish. This guy's got 12 pitches under his belt. So one big question is what's going to happen. I think... I worry about you on the mound. You, Darvish, I just don't know if he can stifle this Houston Astros offense, especially one that's been so good at home. I think the number one thing you've got to do is he's he's got to get George Springer out, and he's going to have to get Altuve out. Altuve is a guy that's that can hit three hits in a game and do it for seven games in a row. And I think... The Astros know you, Darvish, really well. And that part of me says, I, th- I think the Astros are going to win the game. I do, because I think at home, 
they're going to be hard to beat. And Lance McCullers Jr., that's a guy that I don't know if what he does with his curveball, because that's why he pitched the New York Yankees so well. He threw a ton of curveballs, and they just can't do it. The Yankees are a young team, and they're not well-versed on hitting that type of baseball yet, and it's a really hard one to hit. With the Houston Astros, I don't think, or excuse me, with the Los Angeles Dodgers, I don't think Lance McCullers Jr. is going to have that luxury of getting stuff by this team because these boys hit, and they're... This is such an even World Series matchup because one to nine, they're all studs. And LA gets to go to Minute Maid Park and have a designated hitter now, which is going to be great for them. <laughs> and the reason why is because Charlie Culberson is batting like 460 in the playoffs, replaces, how do you replace Corey Seager at shortstop and then decide just to hit a home run in like the 11th inning with two outs, down to his last strike possibly. So, them having the DH, right, that's going to be a big deal. I do think you Darvish is going to have to be on his game 100%. He's not going to have any room for error because the Astros have seen him. And so you get into your first two games, and, I, and what Clayton Kershaw said at the beginning of, at the end of game one was true. When you look at the Astros never facing Clayton Kershaw, and Clayton said, if a pitcher and a hitter have never faced each other, the advantage always goes... To the pitcher, it does. And a lot of those guys hadn't seen Clayton, and a lot of those guys hadn't seen Rich Hill. But they've seen you, so if you is not 100%, but he's going to have no room for error. And if he does error, then balls are going to go in the air, and it's going to be like Buster Douglas, Mike Tyson. Buster Douglas is going to knock the guy out. Um and a big question on how Lance McCullers is going to pitch. But it's going to be huge for the Dodgers because they've got studs on their bench to bring in in the DH. So, and God, I mean, for <laughs> for Dave Roberts not to have to worry about like a number nine hitter when making all of his pitching substitutions, and he's going to have a relaxed bullpen, it's going to look pretty good. You are listening to The Greatest Show on Dirt. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. What's up, everybody? I'm back. Greatest show on dirt. Stranger Things 2 comes out I, maybe tonight at midnight on Netflix. I don't know. I've just been told it comes out Friday the 27th, which is tomorrow. I am beyond pumped. I spent this whole entire week while at work. That's for entertainment purposes only. If anyone from work's watching this, entertainment purposes only. I spent the whole time at work all week watching Stranger Things while I was at work. On the rewatch, it was just as good, if not better, the second time around. I'm telling you, it's like the second round of Stranger Things is like a fine whiskey that's been in a barrel for like 10 extra years. It was so good. And that's all I did all week at work, for entertainment purposes only, was watch Stranger Things while I was at work, for entertainment purposes only. But then when season two comes out, I might honestly binge it tonight at midnight. I'm not too sure, but I love it. Man, season one was so good. Coffee, the morning is for coffee and contemplation. I love it. I just want to eat Eggos. I'm ready for the binge. I know exactly what foods I'm going to buy. I'm going to buy those little sugar cookies with pumpkins on the front, and I'm going to buy like two gallons of milk, and I'm going to eat like a hundred of those cookies and all the milk, and it's going to be so like Halloween, and I'm ready for it. The upside down. 
like Eleven is the best character ever invented in the world. The telepathy, like she like powers up and it's just flipping trucks over and the 80s feel of Stranger Things. If you if you're listening to this and have never watched Stranger Things on Netflix, please do it. Especially like if if you're an 80s kid and are into the 80s, this Stranger Things isn't like 2016 producers building a show that they think is like 1983 listen this feels lived in 1980s you watch it and you're like oh it feels so good it's like has the best feeling to it to watch this show it's set in 1983 hawkins indiana it's i can't even explain it it you're on edge when you watch it the whole time i was on edge the whole time i got no work done all week for entertainment purposes only and it's just it, it, I, it had me. It hooked me. I couldn't think about anything else. Stranger Things, a Stranger Things binge has to be like some sort of drug binge that like crackheads go through or something, where like you just lose time and you're you're just fully into it. Part two starts tomorrow, and not only that, but they're gonna have a Beyond Stranger Things, which is like a post show on Netflix. But don't watch it. Don't watch it. If you're going to watch Stranger Things 2, I've already researched it. You cannot watch any of Beyond Stranger Things until you've watched the whole season 2 of Stranger Things. Because they'll spoil you on the after show. But while I was at work today doing nothing, for entertainment purposes only, I was reading about Lyft and their partnership with Stranger Things. It turns out... Over the next couple days, you can get a lift and put it in Stranger Things mode. So when when you request your lift and you look on the app, instead of the car coming to you, it'll be like an Eggo waffle, or it'll be like a trucker hat, or it'll be uh, like the Stranger Things logo. It has all these like wild things on there, or like it has Christmas lights on the map as well, which is super awesome. But also, if you live in Philly or LA, you can you ride while you're riding in the lift. It goes into Stranger Things mode, which is super bad. So when you get in the car, like the seats, the seats you're sitting in, they're going to start to shake. And then your driver apparently is going to vomit up a slug. I kid you not. The lights are going to flicker in the car. Your seat's going to shake. And the driver is going to vomit up a slug while you're in the lift to get you the whole Stranger Things experience. To me, that sounds amazing. I read an article online today, and the person wrote on it, they said, that sounds disgusting. I don't want to ride in a car where someone's dry heaving. And I'm over here like, sign me up. I might go to Philly just to get a lift, just so I can see my lift driver throw up. Wouldn't be the first time, but it'd be the first time it's fake, and he throws up a slug. But if he starts throwing up, it'll probably make me throw up. For sure, when I was a little kid, you used to buy Colby Jack cheese like in a brick, and it was in wax paper. And when I was like three, four, five years old, my mom would take the wax paper and stuff it up her nose and act like it was a booger. And I'd puke. I've got a light stomach, so I would probably barf in the lift for sure. And then the lift driver would give me a really bad review. Just be bad news all over the place. But Stranger Things, you guys might not hear from me all weekend. Because if I'm not watching baseball, I'm not going to record a podcast because I'm going to be like on a Stranger Things binge. It's going to be like on Chappelle's show where he's got the the red balls and he's like robbing all the stuff. I'm like, I'm watching Stranger Things. No one talked to me. I'm so pumped. Oh, man, it's so awesome. Greatest show on dirt. We'll get back to some baseball. Um, but my binge foods, my top binge foods for when I'm on a Netflix binge is definitely milk and cookies. I'm a milk and cookies person. I know it's classic. But it's what I like, I and I can eat like an ungodly amount of cookies. Like when you buy those sugar cookies, you know they are. You go to Kroger or Harris Teeter or Publix, wherever you live, Ralph's, and you get the cookies. And they're like the Pillsbury sugar cookies. 
and you pull them apart and you put them in the oven, and I think one box has 25 of them, right? I could eat four boxes. I could eat 100 sugar cookies and drink one gallon of milk, and I could do it in an hour. 100% positive of that. That is my number one Halloween binge food. You know what's really good, though? Get you a good craft beer and get, like, a caramel chocolate. Like, um... Any chocolate that has caramel on the inside, whatever the fancy ones are, Ghirardelli, right? Get some of those. A good craft beer. You know, Shiner made a strawberry beer over the summer. That was some good caramel chocolate. Oh, so good. And make it Ghirardelli. If you can get name brand, if it's just like a Carmelo bar or whatever those things are, get one of those too. Man, that is primo. Also on my list, stuffed crust pizza. Pizza Hut stuffed crust pizza. Man, primo. And Count Chocula. Those are the things I gotta have on my list. I can eat a whole box of Count Chocula as well, just in one sitting. Bowl, milk, bowl, milk, bowl, milk. I can do it and it's not a problem. But back to, we'll get back to a little bit of baseball right now. I don't really know what I wanna get into. Oh, let's talk about the White Sox here. The poor, poor, poor Chicago White Sox. This is unrelated to any sort of playoff news, but ESPN. Last year, this was when Cleveland and the Cubs, they were in the World Series last year. Best World Series ever played. And ESPN did a comparison of Chicago championships versus Cleveland championships since like 1968. They counted Cleveland as one because the Cavaliers are the only team that have won one. We know the Browns and the Indians haven't done anything. But then they counted Chicago as 10 championships, right? That 10 goes for six, the Chicago Bulls, Three, four, the Blackhawks, which is seven, eight, nine, and then one for the 85 Bears, which is 10, right? <laughs> but the Chicago White Sox won in 2005. So White Sox fans were really mad about all of that because they forgot the White Sox. Well, okay. And White Sox fans were pissed when that happened last year. They were like, ESPN, really? We won in 05. Everyone forgets about it. Everyone forgets about the White Sox winning a World Series. So maybe like a week ago, ESPN has a Twitter. It's like ESPN Stats and Info. And what had happened was they were comparing, they were looking at the Los Angeles Dodgers and the uh, they were looking at Los Angeles Dodgers. Los Angeles Dodgers, up until last night, had only lost one playoff game. So their stat was the Los Angeles Dodgers and like the 1948 Yankees are the only two teams to win a World Series with two losses or less throughout the playoffs. <laughs> the Chicago White Sox did that in 05. They only lost one playoff game in 2005. Two sweeps and they lost the game like in the ALDS or something to like Cleveland. I don't know who it was. Okay, retraction on that previous statement. The Chicago White Sox lost the opener of the ALCS to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, or they might have just been the Anaheim Angels at the time, and then proceeded to throw their starters four complete games and win that series, and then went and swept the Houston Astros. And Twitter is furious. They're mad. AJ Persinski, he's real fired up. He's saying people shouldn't be fired, but it's inexcusable. White Sox are, fans are real mad because they know that the Cubs are more popular and Southside's just getting a love over there. Even the Chicago Sun-Times is tweeting out, hey, on this day, which is October 25th in 05, the White Sox won the World Series. Got it, ESPN? And Sox fans are real mad. I can't even read the tweets because they're just cussing up a storm. Southside doesn't mess around with their White Sox and they love them. But ESPN, 
They forget them every year. They forget them every year. And it was the 98 Yankees. 1998 Yankees won the World Series. They were 11-2. The Chicago White Sox, they were 11-1. That is the best postseason record in all of baseball. And I think their starters got every one of those decisions at 11-1 because you got a starting rotation led by Mark Burley. Mark Burley's like the John Wayne on the mound. He starts a game, he's going to finish the game, excuse me, unless his arm just completely falls off. You're listening to The Greatest Show on Derrick. I think we'll, we'll wrap the show up right now, and we're going to wrap up the show with top five Halloween movies of all time. I've got a list of top five, and I'm going to go into my top five. You don't have to agree with them, but they're right, okay? They're not going to be in any particular order. But my number one Halloween movie of all time is, hold that thought, Yes, the Monster Squad. The Monster Squad is the number one Halloween movie. My number one Halloween movie of all time. Nothing tops it. It is the epitome, the best you'll ever watch. And, I mean, it has everything. Like, it's got the creepy neighbor. You've got the kids, like, in a clubhouse. The kid's got, like, his Stephen King rule shirt on. His dad's a cop but doesn't believe him. But the end, like, saves the day. And then you've got, like, Frankenstein. You've got the mummy. You've got Dracula. You've got Wolfman. You've got, like, a crazy lizard creature. All the monsters show up. And then the monster squad. It's like the kids, and they're just ready to go. And, oh, man, I'm, I'm watching that movie right after this for sure. But I think the best part, the entire best part about Monster Squad is the amulet. Like, they've got to get the amulet, and then that somehow, somehow, like, saves everybody. Then at the end of the movie, there's, like, this spinning swirl that sucks everyone in. I can tell you this right now. The best thing in, in the world is an amulet. If someone came up to me tomorrow, I don't care if they looked crazy if they were like, come with me, we've got to get the amulet to save the world, that's something I'm on board with. Like, not only am I team alien, but I'm team amulet. And that in itself makes this, like, the cult classic that you want to watch. Give me the amulet, save the day. That's what we've got to do. That thought, we're going to prepare for the number two. Here it is. Hold on. Number two for me, number two for me was an easy one. The Lost Boys, you've got Kiefer Sutherland who plays like the lead vampire who's like the coolest dude in the world. You've got Jason Patrick who plays Michael. And then in this scene, they're like, they're down in like the vampire cave. They're just eating. They're passing around the wine, which is really blood. And he's like, Michael, be one of us. Oh, man. You got Corey Haim, Corey Feldman in it. I mean, you got the crazy grandpa that's in it, then the lead vampire boss at the end. This movie just doesn't stop. Like, Monster Squad 1, The Lost Boys 2, like, those 1 and 2, they're not arguable. You can't argue them, and, like, nothing's even close to them. Those are your two runaway Halloween movies. I won't play clips from the other ones. Number 3, I'm going Halloween, The Curse of... Michael Myers, that's the one with Paul Rudd in it. It has all this conspiracy theory stuff with like genetics, but it's also the best Michael Myers movie out of them all. Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers is three. 
number four. Uh, what do we want to do for number four? Well, number four, we're going to go Fright Night. The original 80s Fright Night, not the new Colin Farrell Fright Night. The original 80s Fright Night is amazing. That's number four on our list. Number five, I'm going to go with a real... This one you don't want to show your kids. The Strangers. It's like a... Probably from like 05 or 06. And it's... It's like a real-to-life movie. This movie feels like it's lived in. It feels like it could be real. And that's the most terrifying part about it. It's got these killers in potato sacks, like these crazy hillbillies. And they just... You know what? You're just going to have to watch it. I'm not going to go into it. It's the greatest show on dirt. We'll catch you guys after Game 3 of the World Series, which is coming up soon. just want to thank everybody for listening again to the show. If you like the show... Leave us a remark. Leave us a comment. Um, we have a Facebook. We are on Facebook. Um, so that not only does your grandma have a Facebook to criticize your weekly, your weekend drinking habits, but we do as well. The Greatest Show on Dirt. So like us, comment on us, give us a five-star review. If you listen on your cellular telephone, if you have a Google phone or an Apple phone, you can listen to us on your cell phone, which you've probably hopefully just figured out now. And... Yeah, yeah, give us a five-star review. Tell us what you think of us. Write us a love letter. Um, we would love it, but otherwise, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. This is the greatest show on dirt, and we will catch you guys this weekend after Game 3 of the World Series. Have a great weekend.